Well, look, I think it's important to note exactly how these elections come about. Uh, according to the Venezuelan constitution, uh, the elections itself should not be held until later this, this year. However, as many of the listeners would know, uh, during, uh, for a large part of last year, uh, a strong wave of often violent protests by the opposition uh, calling for early elections uh, resulted in a process of dialogue between the government and the opposition towards the end of last year. Uh, there, all of the parties of the opposition, uh, together, were almost all, minus one or two smaller ones, uh, together with the government, sat down over several months um, to come up with a dialogue over several issues. And one of the points, obviously, of contention or one of the issues that was raised, which was also a demand of the protest, was for early elections, for these elections to be brought forward. As the negotiations were about to finalise, a date had been set, April 22. It appeared that all parties were agreeing to this date. And at the very final moment, when the, vote, when the agreement was to be signed, the opposition parties pulled out, uh, saying that they would no longer uh, agree to what had been agreed upon uh, within these dialogues. And so the election process itself comes about because of that. The date was then shifted from April 22 to May 20 because... One of the key opposition leaders, uh, Henry Falcon, said that unlike the rest of the opposition parties, he and a number of parties from the opposition would be willing to contest these elections. They wanted to participate uh, in these elections, but asked that the, the National Electoral Council, the CNE, which runs the elections in Venezuela, give them a bit more time for the campaign. And so again, agreement was reached, and so the elections were moved to May 20. This is how we come about to the electoral process, one that the opposition itself was demanding, one that US government and many other governments internationally were demanding less than 12 months ago and who, having achieved this today, are now saying that the, the, these elections are illegitimate. I would also add to this that the Venezuelan government has on numerous occasions extended its hand to international bodies, including, for instance, the United Nations, to send observers to be part of being able to observe these elections so that they can come up with their own conclusions as to whether these are legitimate elections or not. And at every step of the way, it has been the Venezuelan opposition and the US government that has lobbied and pressured uh, institutions like the United Nations to, to not send observers. So we live in a very topsy-turvy world where the media will talk about the, the, the lack of democracy and dictatorship in Venezuela while hiding the fact that it is actually the opponents of the Nicolas Maduro government, who have every step of the way, having first demanded early elections, uh, put as many obstacles as they can uh, to allowing this, this vote to go ahead. However, the vote has gone ahead. There was opposition marches uh, four days ago on Mar May 16. They were uh, very, very small, even for uh, you know uh, the opposition leaders themselves, or the ones that were calling for a boycott, were quite disappointed, um, publicly disappointed by the turnout. Uh, as of yet, we do not know what the turnout will be um, for these elections, as polling has not closed uh, in Venezuela. Um, but the polling prior to the elections indicated uh, that although it would not be a, 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 a one-horse race, uh, that Nicolas Maduro would, would win these, these elections. You've alluded to the fact the main opposition coalition, the so-called Democratic Unity Roundtable, has called for a boycott of the poll, and two of Maduro's potential rival candidates for the presidency, Enrique Capri and Leopoldo Lopez, have been barred from running in the election. Nevertheless, Maduro does face the former governor of Lara State, Henri Falcone, in the polls. Is there any prospect at all that Falcone might win? 
Well, look, obviously this depends on 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 who you believe in the polling uh, in Venezuela, and the polling in Venezuela has been historically inaccurate. Uh, most polls indicate that uh, he will not win. However, many of those same polls put down the biggest factor to why he will lose these elections, precisely because the other opposition parties are boycotting. Uh, so it's not, a, it's not a sense of that there isn't uh, enough of an opposition uh, to Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela where uh, you know, that, that the opposition couldn't have won. Uh, but in fact, it, it, what we have is, you know, in some ways, a novel or a new situation uh, in Venezuelan politics, which, having been extremely polarised, essentially between pro and, and anti-government, uh, supporters, uh, we've really seen in these elections for the first time almost like a, uh, you know, a, a free a free horse race uh, between the government, uh, the section of the opposition that's boycotting, and the section of the opposition that's decided to participate. I think the fact that the opposition is divided means it's almost certain that they won't win. Uh, I think perhaps if they had have gone in united, uh, a, a, perhaps a different outcome uh, would have happened. What will be interesting to see the day after. Uh, these elections, uh, irrespective of exactly who wins and how much the the vote is, is what this may uh, lead to in terms of a reconfiguration of balance of forces within the opposition, as I think particularly if Henry Falcon uh, does quite well, if Henry Falcon is able to get a large number of uh, opposition supporters mobilised for these elections, we may see a lot of recriminations within the opposition uh, coalition as to why perhaps they didn't participate uh, in these electoral processes and help... Um, a different outcome uh, occur. Getting back to the question of the Western capitalist media's attacks on Venezuela's government, The Economist was less than bashful in making its position clear. This is an excerpt from an editorial it carried. If Venezuela were a democracy, President Nicolas Maduro's bid to win re-election on Sunday would fail. Food is in short supply. Prices are doubling nearly every month. At least a million people have left the country in the past four years. Yet almost nobody thinks the president will lose. Still, he cannot defy forever the laws of economics or the international coalition ranged against him. His victory on May 20th may be not only fake, but fleeting. Your response, Federico? Well, look, I I think firstly there's two aspects to this. Firstly is to discuss the current situation in Venezuela, and the second to then explain uh, the ongoing support that the Nicolas Maduro government has. First, the situation in Venezuela today. There's absolutely no doubt that the situation today is is a very dire situation if we look at Venezuela's economy, whether we start from the uh, collapse in economic growth or essentially negative economic growth, the deep recession, depression uh, in the economy, whether we look at the issue of hyperinflation, and many of these different aspects that, of course, are are regularly talked about uh, uh, in the media, so I'm sure many of the listeners are will know about these issues. But of course, what, what is less discussed in the media is what are the causes for these. And I think there's, there, there are uh, at least three particular causes that we can look at that can help to start to explain what's going on in Venezuela. Of course, the one, or at least certainly one of the ones that the media focuses on is uh, the collapse in the oil prices and the impacts that's had on, on the Venezuelan economy now, essentially since about 2014, which is when when the, you know, price of oil uh, fell roughly about half, even though there's been a certain recuperation. We've not seen the price of oil recuperate back to the sort of prices that Venezuela was getting uh, at the heyday of, of the former president, Hugo Chavez's government. 
Secondly, again, also talked about much uh, in the media, is the economic mismanagement on the part of the government. And again, here again, I think there is little doubt that there have been certain problems in terms of the government's inability to deal with, in particular, the problems that have been caused by the currency control system. The currency control system that was implemented in the first place uh, because of uh, capital flight out of the country and in order to ensure um, that this attempt uh, to overthrow the Chavez government in 2002-2003 was halted by essentially ensuring that the government would have control over, over currencies uh, within the country. More than a decade on has brought with it a whole range of problems and the government has just been uh, unable to, to deal with these measures. But the third and less talked about uh, aspect here in regards to the situation in, in Venezuela is, is very much the, the concerted campaign that's been waged uh, firstly by economic forces within the country uh, and secondly uh, now with the very open support of governments like the US, uh, European Union, Canada who have begun to impose sanctions that are having a, a very deep effect on the Venezuelan economy. Just picking up on that last point, Federico, the Deputy Secretary of State for the United States, John Sullivan has said that the United States will not recognise the results of Venezuela's presidential election and has said that oil sanctions against Venezuela will, quote, be under active review. Where do you see things going in terms of foreign pressure being piled on the Maduro government uh, after these elections? Oh, look, I'd, I've got no doubt that they're only going to increase uh, after these elections, uh, firstly because of the, the, the sort of uh, attacks that have been coming already preceding these elections uh, put 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 governments like the the US government in a, in a situation where if they weren't to follow up uh, with some kind of actions would would be seen to be a lot of bluster but but without any follow through so I've got no doubt that there will be further sanctions and whether they will extend into the uh, or sex, uh, sanctions on the oil industry uh, you know obviously we'll, we'll have to see but I, I think it's very clear and then this this really goes back to where we started the interview of, you know, why are we in a situation where having essentially set the country alight last year to demand early elections, uh, is the opposition and the US government today demanding no elections um, and instead increasing the economic hardship by imposing further sanctions? Because, I mean, anyone who knows anything about sanctions knows two, two things about them. Firstly, that the people that are hurt the most by it are the poor in those countries. We've seen that time and again in every country where sanctions have, have been imposed. So any sanctions today on Venezuela will hit those who supposedly the US government is standing up uh, to defend. And the second thing we know about sanctions is they almost always have the opposite effect of what they intend in terms of building popular support for local governments uh, because of course these governments can then turn around and say well look the problems we face today are not the result of anything that we're doing as a government but the result of these sanctions being imposed so why does the US pursue this line why have they convinced a section of the opposition to boycott I think it's firstly because they think the downfall of the Maduro government is imminent and they think that the more pressure they can build, the quicker they can build this pressure, the quicker they can get rid of the Maduro government. And this would resolve, and this is the second point of why, why they are boycotting elections, this would resolve the problems of having to in, in, deal with infighting within the opposition as to who would 
you know, gain power in this situation. Instead, what would you know, what the U.S. and the opposition hope for, uh, and in fact, the, the head of the Organization of American States has openly called for, is is, a, is an undemocratic transitional government, uh, one where the old political elites can return to power, can carve out power amongst themselves, can implement all the kind of uh, regressive uh, policies that we're seeing, for instance, being implemented by the unelected government uh, in Brazil, wind back all of the social gains that have been achieved under the Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro government. Uh, and then once, once all the dirty work is done, uh, then move forward to so-called free and fair elections um, where the, you know, a, new, a, new, a new government uh, can be elected. Of course, having by then ensured that uh, any, any remnants of the ruling United Socialist Party of Venezuela have been either imprisoned or, or wiped out so that they're not able to stand. This is really the, the end game and how the US and the, the more radical wing of the opposition see Venezuela today. They, they see the regime is going to fall. In that, in that scenario, elections are of no use to them. Uh, democracy is of no use to them. It's about getting rid of Maduro as quickly as possible, installing a transitional government. Uh, and this is why we see the US talking about sanctions and why I think that they're inevitable, uh, almost irrespective of, of the result. And, and hence why we saw, even prior to the, to, to the elections, uh, US uh, government officials pressuring Henry Falcon, the opposition candidate, threatening him with sanctions if he continued to run uh, in the election. So it's very clear what, what, how they view the current situation playing out in Venezuela.